Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. What is the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? The church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is where our trouble began. This sounds to me like the voice of someone who really has an appalling ignorance of what the Bible says about itself and what Jesus said about it. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't you worry, I've got this all sorted. This is Wretched Radio, the relationship between church and state. It has been a debate in the body for not just centuries, millennia. But it's been a little bit quiet as of the last two centuries in America because the church has happily, oh, I'm going to use this word, coexisted with the government because of the way the place was established. But the government's attitude toward the church, it most certainly is changing. So now we are thrust into a conversation that has been had for millennia. And it is so massive. I would have a phenomenal amount of chutzpah. Sorry, let me chutzpah to say, I've got it all figured out. So I would like to offer to you some thoughts that might just help us advance the conversation at least a little bit about the relationship between church and state. This is fascinating. The dynamic in the conversation seems to have shifted. As of the last, say, four years due to COVID, etc., The church has been talking about the limits of the government, that they should not be getting involved in church business, that Caesar is not the head of Christ's church. But now I see the conversation shifting a little bit, and that is the involvement of the church in the realm of the government. Do you feel the difference? We were talking before, hey, what is the government doing? How far can they go? Now we're talking about how far the church can go into the realm of the government. That means the subject is now even more complex. How do we sort through it? These are some nuggets for your consideration. I hope they are received in the spirit in which they are delivered because, brothers, sisters, this is not a subject that should cause division. Realms of jurisdictional authority, I believe, guides us not exhaustively, but mostly through this conversation about how do I, as a Christian in a church, think about the government? What's their role? How far do they are, are they allowed to come through the front door of the church? Are they allowed in at all? And now, what about vice versa? Is the church supposed to be telling the government how to behave? Now, let me say this at the jump. I believe that the church should be speaking to the government just like we would speak to anybody else, prophetically, not forecasting, but forthtelling, hey, abortion is a wicked sin, repent. Hey, your corruption of marriage legislation, it's a sin, repent. But does the church get to do even more than that? Tell the magistrates how they are supposed to to think through issues, what they are to enforce. In other words, do they have the authority and does the church have the authority to have authority over the government to have them enforce the first tablet of the two tablets of the Mosaic laws, meaning the Ten Commandments? I think realms of jurisdiction are helpful. Let us reason together. Realm of jurisdiction number one, you love this realm. It's your family. This is the smallest realm of jurisdiction, and yet it is also the deepest realm in that you can decide, you can dictate, you can rule, you can command your kids to eat a certain way, sleep a certain way, talk a certain way, and go to religious services a certain way. In other words, small realm of jurisdiction, very deep authority. But then... We get into another realm of jurisdiction, the church, slightly bigger, most likely than your family, unless, of course, you're a homeschool family, then you might be larger than your local church, but it is a slightly larger realm, but those in authority have spiritual headship 
over the congregation. They are allowed to discipline us, but we see that that realm of jurisdiction is actually limited to the spiritual matters of its people. At least, I think it is. Now, does that mean a pastor can't go into a home where pop or mom are sinning and exercise discipline? Oh, absolutely they can, but a shepherd shouldn't be going in to somebody's home and saying, this is when you need to eat, this is how you need to eat, this is what you are supposed to do with the furniture, this is how exactly you are supposed to deal with your kids. Uh, um, Got to be careful because the realms of jurisdiction are limited in authority. All of them are, including the church. The family shouldn't be telling the church, this is how you need to run things. It's not in their realm of authority. And conversely, with the exception, of course, of spiritual, because the individual family members are a part of the local body, they have spiritual authority, but that, I believe, is the extent of it. Enter the government realm of authority. This is the biggie. It is massive in size, and yet the Bible most certainly limits its authority. I think we see that authority defined in Romans chapter 13. They are to bear the sword. They are to punish evildoers. They are supposed to promote good. Now, that is all it says. Does it appear that God gives the government permission to be involved in things I wish they weren't like roads, schools? Uh, Well, it seems that it's always been understood the government does more than that, but explicitly in Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, Titus 3, it seems that the, the thrust of the government authority is bearing the sword, punishing the evildoers, protecting us, letting us live in peace. That's their role. How do they get to be involved in the first realm, which is the family? Well, the answer is they shouldn't. They shouldn't be coming into your door and saying, how many calories a day are your children consuming? That's mom and dad's choice. That's their authority. Should they tell you to not spank your children? No. Why? Because they don't have the authority to do so. And the family doesn't have the authority to somehow impose their authority on the government. Now, I know that seems ridiculous because, well, we don't have any power Yeah, you do. You are a realm of authority, but your realm is limited to your realm. Now, what about the government getting involved in the church's business? That's where it gets dicey, doesn't it? And I think that there are a couple of words that help us to know the limits of the government's ability to command the church to do anything, because I think we agree Yeah, there are some things they can tell us. There are safety issues, plumbing, electricity, code issues. We let them have that authority over the church because that is the government exercising authority. Now, do I believe that that's ideal that the government has that authority? I don't personally. It's not a hill I would die on probably, but we'd let them do that for the safety of people. But it is limited to those physical commands, not spiritual. That's the distinction that needs to be made. Physical and spiritual. We've we've seeded this ground for as long as I understand history. If the government tells us to do something about that, that ramp going into the church, we do it. Why? Because we let them have that authority because, well, They seem to have that authority. Now, if we want to say, no, 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 the government's authority is just restricted to bearing the sword, punishing the evildoers, and promoting good, well, then we shouldn't be obeying those because they don't have the authority to tell us to do so. But we seem to intuitively get, it's okay. Now, can they overextend their authority? And the answer is, (laughs) I sure can. If the church is infiltrated by the government that tells you, hey, church, Sunday morning, your opening worship song needs to be Jailhouse Rock by Elvis, we'd say, sure do appreciate your love for the king of rock and roll, man, but no. With all due respect, your authority is limited to physical components of this church, but not spiritual. 
Jesus dictates these elements, not you. My buddy, a pastor in Boston, which is a killer food town, he uses the term element and circumstance. Element is an essential element of church life and worship, including church discipline, not assembling the, not forsaking the assembling of saints. He regulates worship. These are the elements that need to go into it. Singing, reading the Bible, preaching, sacraments. A circumstance it is an issue that God doesn't mandate clearly, directly, emphatically. Church architecture, seating capacity, plumbing regulations. Those words help us, I think, to define realms of authority. But now the conversation is, is, is going in another direction. So we need to make sure that we stay on the right side of the road on this. I think having established as best we can the limits of authority of each one of the three biblically ordained realms, now the question is being asked, and what is the limit of the church regarding state? And the phrase that is being used a lot, and we all say amen to, Christ is sovereign over all. Amen? The question is, what exactly does that look like? Next on Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. Well, mark the date February 1st in your calendars because that's when Season 2 of Transformed is set to launch. Season 1, of course, was a hit, and you don't have to be very smart to realize why. It's because biblical counseling works. The Bible has the answers to all of our issues. Depression, anxiety, OCD, addiction, whatever malady you happen to be facing at the moment, biblical counseling can and will solve your issue, not just slap a secular band-aid on it. Season 2 of Transform is coming February 1st, and of course it's only possible because of your support. Actually, the support of our gospel partners is what makes everything around here possible. We couldn't do any of this without you. So, would you log on to wretched.org slash donate now to find out how you could become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 405 AD. After 23 years of work, translating from Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, Jerome completes the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible that becomes the standard for the next 1,000 years. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Big question, good question, and might I add, exciting question. This is Wretched Radio. If you will read the magisterial reformers going back centuries, you will immediately recognize, whoa, a lot of time and effort was put into an understanding of the relationship between church and state. What is it they thought deeply? And centuries have allowed us to refine and define and to be guided by the Bible and different zip codes. What is the relationship between church and state? And a new question is being asked. This is fascinating. It is a new question, and I fear it could be a divisive question. I say, come on, bro. Come on, sis. Let's do this. And like, come, we got something we can all learn here. It is a new question, at least for us in the 21st century West. And it's not how far should the government come into the church, but should the church be going into the government? Okay, there are different people that are finding different shades. And believe me, the variety of understandings, it is wide. But the question is being asked. It is now being discussed. I don't think anybody should be pounding a fist on the podium to say, this is exactly the way it works. Instead, let's have a robust conversation, a loving conversation. You think it should be this? I think it should be that. We are not talking about an essential issue. Let's keep wrangling. And to that end, I would like to offer some thoughts on what is the relationship between church and state with jurisdiction going both ways. How far should the government go? How far should the church go? Is there any overlapping involved? And here's, I'll just state what I think the overlapping is, and then we'll keep talking about it because I am actually willing to change my position. It's not because I don't think I've got it sorted biblically, but it's because I'm actually practicing what I was just preaching. This is so big. This is so massive. And we really, go look, I was just looking at a a Christian publisher's top 50 book list. There ain't nothing in there about government, state, how to wrangle through this. So it is my offering for how to understand the overlapping of church and state jurisdictions. I believe the government can tell the church about physical stuff to protect people and keep them safe because that's their job. They cannot tell us how to worship, how to discipline, what to teach. You can get, we can get into some of the minutia about when we can assemble, how many people, all of those things, but they can tell us physical things in general, but if it moves into the realm of spiritual regarding worship, no, you do not have that authority. Now, what about the church with the government? I believe that we have a prophetic voice, that we shout, repent, or we could even encourage the government. But going further than that, to enforce that Christ is sovereign over all, I think we're limited. We are hearing that a lot. And to that we say, amen, Christ is sovereign over all. But how does that manifest itself? How does that apply? There are some good brothers and sisters who are saying the government is under Christ. And I say, of course they are. But does that mean the church now has the ability to insist the state rules in that fashion, Christianly, specifically? How do we sort through this? Well, I think we need to recognize the, I think, the limits of the role of church, that Jesus is building the church. He is interested in a spiritual realm. His kingdom is not of this world. Any authority that a government official has came from him, and he is indeed sovereignly controlling every single realm. But does that mean the church now has the authority to say to the government, you need to have Christians that are promoting Christian values and enforcing Christian rules like blasphemy, heresy, idolatry, that's, that's the question that's being debated. And I would offer, no, we can tell them they should. We can preach to them because that's the overlapping of our jurisdictions. But uh, somehow coming up with biblical support to say, 
that if the government doesn't behave in the way the church says that we have the authority to either disregard, not be obedient, and even to overthrow, does the church have the right to do those things? Do we as individual Christians, members of local churches, have the right to do that? And that is, I think, where, where, where the debate is most heated. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that he has given all authority to everyone. Applying that becomes a wee bit of the tricky part. Jesus always made it clear that overbearing governments, they have a higher purpose. In other words, when we see governments that are acting wonky, it, it, it's because it's an evangelistic opportunity, Luke 21, 12 through 13, that when we obey our rulers, even when they're lousy, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. That's also what 1 Peter 3.15 says, that we submit, even when they're crummy, even when they're lousy, even when they're just bonkers on this stuff, we preach at them. We open our Bibles and point a repenting finger at them. But can we overthrow, overturn, disobey, dishonor, or resist what we deem to be tyrants in duty to God? And I think the answer to that question is no, we don't. And here are several reasons why. There are some people who would say that we should be resisting the tyrants in duty to God because he is sovereign over all. Might I just offer an observation? It seems that that conversation is limited to government. Why wouldn't we? If Christ is sovereign over all, why aren't we focusing on our next-door neighbor? Can you imagine ringing their doorbell and saying, Hi, neighbor, I know you never go to church. I witness to you. You have no confession of faith in Jesus Christ, but he is sovereign over all. I'm coming into your house to tell you how to raise your kids. You'd go, That's weird. Exactly. We're, we're to speak. We can preach. We can proclaim, but I don't have the right to go into my neighbor's home, and I don't think the church in this regard has the right to go into the government's home. Romans 13 is the text that is often used to say there's an exception buried in there that gives us the permission to resist tyrants when they're acting tyrannically. Some thoughts. I don't think the talk the text says that. In fact, I think what the text says is it's a more of a threat than it is a definition of the government's role. If Paul had intended to make an exception, he would have made himself clear. This is an important issue. He would have provided some rules to rebellion, to resisting, to defying. And who decides when a government is towing the line? If there's an exception buried in the text, then every man becomes a judge and a law unto himself. Got to tell you, if, if we're looking at a tyrannical government, the 1973 was the time. Why didn't we resist them then? But we submitted because overall the government was kind of towing the line. But now they appear to be wanting to exert their influence into the church. And we're going, hey, and that's why we're having this conversation. The only certain result of every man deciding for himself when to submit is anarchy. I think that's why these prohibitions are given. Romans 13, 2 commands us to not resist. And I think it just misses the point of these verses. If government always behaved in a pleasing manner, there'd be no reason to tell us to submit. The command is needed because governments, they inevitably behave poorly. And so we find ourselves now saying, how do we how do we do that? How do we submit to them? Well, I think we've established that's basically our posture. Are there exceptions? Yeah, if they command us to sin, if they keep us from obeying a commandment, and if they enter into the jurisdictional realm of the church. Otherwise, our posture is submit. We proclaim. We have the ability to protest. We can plead. We can most certainly pray. We can even flee. But do we have the authority to overthrow the government when they're not behaving in a way that we don't think they should because we use a correct biblical phrase that Christ is sovereign over all. The way that I parse this out is, of course, he's sovereign over government. He's sovereign over Hollywood, the education system, as 
disastrous as all of those institutions are. Of course, he's sovereign over that. I mean, he's, he's sovereignly ordaining everything that happens. But I don't think that he gives the church the power to wield the sword. That's the government's job. And so it is. We will continue this conversation. Was everything that I said fully formed? No. Got limited time here. Did I cover everything? No. Did I maybe put too much emphasis on this and not, not that? Don't, don't read into it that way. Just, just take what I've laid out and let's excitedly discuss it, not fight, not tear each other apart. Saints, we have the ability to do that, probably like no other group of Christians, to just rip each other up, not over this. Take what I've offered as a helpful offering, and let's excitedly discuss this, because we are entering a new era of history. This is Wretched Radio. Books of the Bible. First and Second Kings relate the history of Israel from Solomon through the division of Israel into two kingdoms to the destruction of both kingdoms. Though Israel and Judah and their kings were often unfaithful, God continually calls his people to repentance through his prophets. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't blame me. Blame Jimmy. This is Wretched Radio. All right, Jimmy, I was prattering on for a wee bit regarding the role of church and state. I was willing to drop the subject, but <laughs> no, you had some thoughts. Well, yeah, I have. You well, heretic. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Really, just go ahead. Well, I have lots of thoughts. And like you said just a moment ago. It... Get away from me. We can't have fellowship. I am so, what am I doing? Go ahead with your thoughts. You're jumping the gun. Sorry. <laughs> My thoughts aren't fully formed, and I'm always willing to be, you know, corrected. <laughs> that's why I'm here. I just wonder, you know, if we have the ability to overthrow the government. Like well, we're here. okay, okay. Before you go further, okay, you, what does it mean to overthrow the government? Well, actually, I don't know. Yeah, see, <laughs> this is why this conversation is so probably contentious. It's because your understanding of overthrow it can mean to different people. We bear arms. There are some that are saying that bloody revolution is already justified. There are others who are going, oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that, but we resist them. We, we don't submit to them. That, so there, there are shades of this. So even when you say something like the church overthrowing the government, ah, we get in trouble because of the semantic range of understanding of the word. Correct. Carry on. If uh, if we are to overthrow the government, um, I guess it, it's hard for me to, to wrap my mind around what that means, because if at any other time in human history there was the right for the government to be overthrown is when Jesus walked the earth. The Romans were horrible. And that's exactly what the Jewish people wanted was for the Romans or for Jesus to come, a king to come and overthrow the Roman government. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for him to do it. And he didn't. He didn't. And right. And they, you could, well, you could even extend that beyond the time that Jesus walked here into the, the rest of the first century. The church took a beating. You think North Korea is bad? It is. That was everywhere in the Mediterranean world. It was wicked hard on Christians. And it is in that context we get the book of First Peter, we get Romans 13, we get Titus 3. And read through those sections of scripture because I think that you will see a theme. That rotten governments persecuting people is evangelistic. That's the purpose of it. It, is ev it gives you an opportunity to speak in such a way that causes people to get saved. That's the fascinating element of Titus 3 for me. I, I, it's just, you, you've got to remember that we just don't take a verse and go, oh, that's, it changed the subject, therefore, this has nothing to do with me. Well, actually, the change of subject is actually related in Titus chapter 3. Here's what it says. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle. Okay, I'm going to interrupt myself. You will read many verses like that. The thrust and tenor of the New Testament, in my opinion, 
is that we are a peaceful people. We are a people who submit to that realm of jurisdiction. We also, by the way, we submit to the elders and their authority in the church. Children are to submit to their parents. Wives submit to their husbands. And it even goes back, back and vice versa. We live a life of submission. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't exceptions. That doesn't mean there aren't some complexities and complications. But I think you have to agree clear, specific, forceful verses abound in the New Testament that we are to be a peaceable, submissive people. Now, I know why even what I just said just got up the nose of somebody out of the tens and tens of people listening because we see the receding of Christianity and culture, what it has built. And there's an argument that you that you will be you, you're going to hear. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the leadership of China or of a more Christian like America, for lack of a better phrase? And you go, well, yeah, 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 that where Christians have influence, where where leaders are believers and they make godly decisions. Of course, I'd like that. I'd like that too. And we see that that ground is being lost. I don't think that we need to go to the locker room and retire. I think we still stay in the arena. How we do that is really the question. How do we talk to them? And I know that a lot of people are like, "Ah, we can't be wimpy on this. I agree with that. But what does strong look like? It has its limitations. Can we bear arms? Gotta ask. Can we storm a government building? Can we resist the government in some way, shape, or form? And I and I I think the answer to that in general is we can't do those things. We can tell them, no, I can't do that because this is not your realm of authority. Christ is sovereign over me, he's sovereign over you, he's sovereign over Hollywood, he's sovereign over my neighbors. And you cannot command me to do this wicked thing. Furthermore, you are ruling unrighteously. We need to be speaking that. And we can speak that forcefully and emphatically. But that's at least a step short of resisting and overthrowing. This is a big deal. And it is my goal and intention this is this here here's my plan and Jimmy you can get back to more of your thoughts here i just kind of laid out pretty pithily how i see all of this i'm going to sit back now i'm going to watch i'm not going to go listen to what somebody else said about it and then go ah see that snippet right what they said right there and I'm not going to do that i'll learn i'll listen i'll be open minded because there is a part of me that goes yes resist those tyrants who do they think they are which quite honestly might be more of an american mindset than a biblical mindset nevertheless i feel that and i don't want us to be russell moore squish bombs but we got to be careful that we don't step outside of our jurisdictional authority so back to titus chapter 3 listen to what it says Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Now, here's the because statement. Because, and it's going to seem like he just took a U-turn here. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But, now this explains what that apparent U-turn is all about, and it's not a U-turn. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In other words, these people who are behaving like knuckleheads, they are knuckleheads, just like we used to be. But God saved us, and now 
He wants us to see even the government, not as the enemy, but as the harvest field, that our response will witness to our words that Jesus Christ is the benevolent king who rules and reigns over all. There is a reason for the Christian posture. It is so that people can get saved. And I got to tell you something here. I'll just, this, this will just test all of us because even as I can see these words coming out of my mouth, I'm like, ah, this, is, this is hard. So I'll just ask it as a question. I know what the right answer is, but I'll just ask the question. Jimmy, you're going to represent everybody. You're the federal head. Okay. You've got a choice that there can be a red wave at the next election, a Christian Republican president, and whoa, overwhelming house. You can't overturn that thing, no legislation, because we got all the votes. Okay. You can have that. Or one person that you really are not nuts about gets saved. Oh, yeah. That's, which do you prefer? Which do I prefer? Yeah, what, well, okay. Which should we prefer? Which should we prefer is the, is the yeah, latter. Right. Right. Now, that little snippet can be taken, so he thinks that it's all insignificant. Didn't say that. But what I'm saying is the eternity of one's soul is of more value than a red wave. I know <laughs> that goes down hard, doesn't it? But that those are those are the the reasons that we are given commandments like Titus 3 and Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2. It is so that people will get saved. That's why we're here. That's our commission. No, I didn't say don't be involved in the other realms. No, I didn't say try to teach your neighbors. No, I didn't say don't preach to the government. But understanding realms of jurisdictional authority, Christ is sovereign over all of them. We don't, however, it seems, go into our local grocery store to sit down with the manager and say, are you aware that Christ is sovereign over all? This is how you need to be treating your employees. They need to be working really hard because if you don't work, you don't eat. Enforce that. You'd go, well, <laughs> I might be taken away by the government authority. And so it is. We need to understand the limitations of the church and the Christian authority, what realms we live in and how we can exercise that and how we can't. And it is my hope through all of this, brothers and sisters, we can do it well. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. If you happen to miss the debut of the Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford, here's what you missed. If God revealing himself is transformative, well, then how do I practically see God? The good news is you can listen anytime you want at transform.org slash podcast or any podcast platform. Brand new episodes debut every Saturday morning with Dr. Gifford tackling issues that we all encounter, but using only the Bible as the salve. It's biblical counseling. It's transformed, and it will take you from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed and all of our resources are only possible because of the generosity of our gospel partners. I encourage you to head over to wretched.org slash donate if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner. That's where you'll find answers because I know you have questions. That's wretched.org slash donate. And don't forget to check out the Transformed Podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford anywhere podcasts are heard. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Master's Academy International 
training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Attributes of God. Do you think God explodes with anger when you sin? Remember the word impassibility. It means that God is without passion. His affections, such as wrath, anger, and love, are always foreknown, voluntary, and controlled. And they are always consistent with God's unchanging nature. And His wrath has been settled on the cross. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Jimmy, if you could remind me next week, the reason that we're sharing old stories is because of... You! This is Wretched Radio. Got a slew of stuff to talk about, but no, Jimmy wants to keep stretching this thing out. As long as it can be profitable, let's right. let's do it in and ever. And then I'm telling you, when this program is done, I'm giving myself a timeout. And, and I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to write tweets about people who have a different... Just want to listen. That's where we're at in this, everybody. That's, this is this is not fully formed yet. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Did you know the reformers? There were they, they actually wrote books on this stuff. The, the deep thoughts on this. Smart people. We're not even close to that. And 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 we need to accept that with a fair amount of humility, so that we don't butcher each other. I, I have a confession to make. I love contending for the truth. We should. We're commanded to. But when my brothers and sisters disagree with me on a social issue, a tertiary issue, it grieves me that we have a tendency to take our toys and go to our own playground. And if we keep doing that, I got to tell you, your playground's going to get really, really small. Jimmy, you had something you wanted to talk about. Well, I just had a question to to better understand the conversation or where uh, some people are coming from. Um, if the reasoning being given uh, for possible rebellion is that Christ is sovereign over all, mm-hmm. which is absolutely true, I completely agree that, that God is sovereign over everything. But does that, where's his omnipotence in all of that? Well, that is a very fair question. Uh-huh. Now, this is, this. it was kind of like my grocery store crack. I'm sorry if that kind of came across snarky. It wasn't intended to be. It was supposed to be just a, a valid question. Would we go into somebody's business and say, Christ is sovereign over your business, therefore behave like this? Now, I, I was trying to just point it out as opposed to just taking a cheap poke on that. And I don't want to do it with Jimmy's very, very thoughtful, oh, that hurt, very thoughtful observation. Christ is sovereign over all. Does he need our help? And, and, I think that's a, and I think the answer to that question is yes and no, in that he doesn't need our help because he's sovereign. But he does invite us and even command us to participate. So there's a sense of both. So I don't think that you can just say, yeah, if you get involved with those things, you don't believe in God's sovereignty. No, that's not. But at the same time, to say that it is my job to help God with his sovereign reign is also going over the line in a different direction. He's sovereign whether you and I are alive or not. He's reigning in these realms. And that's why I keep coming back, Jimmy, to, well, I just, I have to come back to what the Bible says. I just have to do that. Right. And I have to be enough of a historian to recognize 
what people wrote three, four hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, was tainted by their circumstances. Mine, too. And now we've got different circumstances. And the Bible. All right. You've heard this before. The Bible isn't a science book. Well, no, it's not a science textbook. But when it speaks about science, it is right. I would say that the Bible is not a policy, a government policy book either. What is the best structure for government? How should we do this? Representative republic, monarchy, et cetera. It does, but it does speak and guide us. So then we need to take those biblical ideals and we need to apply them in the 21st century. And that means the circumstances are different. And so we might have a different take than John Calvin or Martin Luther did because of the era in which we live. I can't be relying on those guys to formulate my 21st century understanding of the relationship between church and state. I got to go to the Bible. I got to go to the Bible. And that is why my encouragement is, as we think this through, Jimmy, your question about is, well, okay, so now we get into a debate over sovereignty, how that works, man's participation in God's plans. Okay, all, all good. So what, where does that leave us? It leaves us saying, while that slogan, Christ is sovereign over all, it, it doesn't mean that it's a blanket we can throw over every institution and say that the church has some sort of authority over them, because if we don't, Christ won't be sovereign. Well, we recognize he is sovereign. So where does that leave us? I, it, it doesn't mean that, well, that just won the argument. No, it means that we just need to dive into our Bibles and humbly try to apply it in the 21st century. We haven't had to do this for 240 years. We haven't been thinking about it. Now we must. And so we are. And so Jimmy won't let it go. <laughs> I'm sorry. You better blurt it all out right now, mister, because this when this is done, we're done for a season. Okay. Go. All right. Well, I mean, and the only other question, I guess, that keeps sticking in my mind, especially as you're talking about authority, is Matthew 28. Jeez, all authority has been given to him. Yes. Therefore, right. we are to what? Go make disciples. Well, if you, if again, I, I think this takes us back to what does the Bible say? And I, I know the precepts that can be used to apply a more muscular response to the government. I, I, I get that. I, I do come back to ought and should. Well, it, 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 it ought to be that way. But should it be? I've got to let the Bible tell me how to deal with this situation. This is, therefore, this is why this should be an exciting debate, not acrimonious and, and not, oh, did you hear about that podcast on this? <laughs> we're, we're having a theological, let's make this, dare I use the word fun? And exciting. Do we not love the brethren? Do I not love people that I think are kind of changing their position these days? Of course I do. So does that mean because they don't see my limited understanding that I'm some now that's it done with them or I'm going to thrash them or trash them? Not a chance. This is a, this is a biblical debate. All right, Jimmy, you still have the floor. No, that's all I got. That's it. That's it. And that's all I've got, too. And so it is that we, for a season, don't ask me what that season is. This, <laughs> this is sort of like that ridiculous, well, the pastor just committed a heinous sin, and he's going to take a season to think about things and go to counseling, and then he'll be back. How long is that season? And you're never given an answer. I don't know, but it's, it's going to be a season. And the reason for it is this. I, I don't I don't want to be engaged in a cantankerous debate. I want to learn. I want I want to get stuff. And might I just throw this in? Just just one last thought as maybe an encouragement. Just think about the people in your church that you know of that are struggling and hurting. Maybe your own family. Think about the people in your neighborhood that you know of that are struggling and hurting. I have a neighbor whose water main broke on Christmas Eve day and flooded three levels of their townhome. They're hurting. They're needing. And I'm not going to 
either or this and say, therefore, I'm never going to think about engaging these subjects, be involved politically, uh, to become involved where I try to activate right thinking and voting. That's all good and well, but just think of all the struggles and the suffering. I Last week, a couple came in for Transform Couples. You would talk to these two. They go to a great church, by the way. And you would talk to these two. They've got kids. They're nice and they're pleasant and they're just totally easy. You know, those types of, you know, and, and they're like pillars because they just look at them. And they were willing to admit, you know, this transition with the kids leaving, it's we're kind of rocked by this. Okay. Wow. How mature to be transparent, to get help and to potentially help others as people see it on TV, transform couples. By the way, we would we need one more couple for transform couples. If you'd like to receive counseling from Lou and then 12 weeks of biblical counseling, you and your honey, please visit wretched.org slash casting. Wretched.org slash casting. We'd love to hear from you. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I was looking straight at you doesn't mean I was insinuating everything, anything. So this couple, they present great, and they're doing well in so many regards, but they're, it's like, hi. And the kids are, what am I supposed to do? We've kind of, in some ways, we have have grown apart, which is a common malady, but it's causing pain. And it's causing hurt and it's causing longing in their hearts for it to be the way that it once was. Okay, seems to me that should be the thrust of our attention and our concern because the eternal things are way more important than the temporal things, primarily for one another in the church, but also for the world. Let's remember that this is the island of misfit toys. And people in the church, they need healing and helping people outside of the church. They need salvation. So let's discuss, but with correct priorities in order. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.